Last Wednesday, we had uh, iHeart Canyon, and what a, a great event. We, uh, we had over 1,500 backpacks filled with school supplies, and we ran out by about 730. Uh, it was amazing. We, at four o'clock, there were already people lining up for the event that starts at six. And by four, about 415, I think we had already about 300 people in line uh, to register. And then uh, by six o'clock, it felt like the entire panhandle was in line <laughs> to register uh, for iHeart Canyon. We, uh, we had 1,700, right at about 1,700 students register that evening, and, uh, and it was amazing. And so I, I just want to say thank you to all of you who helped in some capacity with iHeart Canyon as we uh, served our communities. Uh, whether you provided money, whether you uh, bought school supplies or bought backpacks or helped at the event, it, it was a great event. It was a, a fun night. In fact, we couldn't have done it without you. And I want to share just a couple of comments from the, our iHeart Canyon Facebook page. Uh, first one, it says this, I lost my job in July this year, right as we were starting to get things ready for our kids to return to school. Aside from my husband working, we're relying on my income to take care of their supplies as my husband were worried about our bills. Losing my job hit us hard, but we had a family friend mention your festival to us. We attended last night and had a blast. Our guide, Aiden, was the sweetest kid helping my kids and I through all the zones. Our kids love the activities. They love their new backpacks. And most importantly, they got to see how area churches help out in the community. It was awesome. And we are so thankful for the experience and for the gifts they received. You rock, Canyon. Uh, isn't that great? Great. And then here's another one. Uh, and this is a mom talking about her son and, and something that has gone on in their life. She says this, One of my son's milestones to finish therapy was accomplished at iHeart Canyon. Uh, my boy is finishing therapy strong and says he met a new friend who gave him a ride on his go-kart. In his words, the policeman is his new friend. Uh, tears of joy. It's been a long road for him to trust an officer due to personal reasons. Uh, but how cool is that? Th this is our calling to give our lives in love of Jesus. Again, thank you for fulfilling that calling this past week uh, with iHeart Canyon. It was great. But before we move forward, I want us to take a moment and, and go back and review where we've been the past two weeks. We've been talking about our next steps, what steps we take individually and as a church in our journey uh, of faith. That the journey of faith is just that, a journey. And we're constantly moving forward. And on that journey, we have a calling. Anyone memorize the calling statement of, of the church yet? Who wants to be put on the spot this morning? All right. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Remember, here's our calling. You ready? Let's look again. To glorify God in worship, to grow in likeness of Jesus, and to give our lives in love of Jesus. That's what we're called to do. That's what we are called to be as, as a church. This is who we are. This is how we live out our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And today we're looking specifically at that last part of our calling to give our lives in love of Jesus. And I want us to look at this story that uh, Joe just read from, from Matthew's gospel uh, where Jesus is speaking. I, I want to read it one more time. So uh, let's read the scripture. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues 
and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. These four verses conclude a section of Matthew that began way back in Matthew 4.23. So from Matthew 4.23 to 9.35, we have this collection of, uh, of sayings and actions of Jesus. Matthew 4.23 says this, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Matthew 9.35 says this, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. Sound familiar? Here are bookends to this section inside. 423, 935 service books, bookends to this section of material from Matthew. And in this section, we have a huge collection of miracle stories of Jesus and sayings of Jesus that help guide us in our journey of discipleship. We read in chapters 5 and through 7 the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous of sermons ever, uh, where Jesus is portrayed as the true Messiah, the the Savior of the world. And then in chapters 8 and 9, we read stories after story of Jesus' miracles where we see him as Messiah as well through his actions. Hear this. Jesus is the Messiah in the way he speaks, and Jesus is the Messiah in his actions. This is important for us to understand. I don't want this to slip past us. Jesus is Messiah in his words and in his actions. Both are important, and Matthew wants us to understand that as disciples, as followers of Jesus. Both our words and our actions are critical. We have too many people that focus on one or the other. Some say that one is more important than the other. Both are important. Does that make sense? Uh, What we believe and speak is just as important as what we do. And what we do is just as important as what we believe and speak. We give our lives in love of Jesus. We give our lives action in love of Jesus, our beliefs, who we are. But let's move on. It says that Jesus went amongst the crowds, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing everyone that was around him. So it begs the question... If this is what Jesus did, and our calling is to be like Jesus, then we should be about teaching and proclaiming and healing, right? That should be who we are. Now, you might be saying to yourself, self, I really can't heal people. Haven't been very good at it. Understand this. You might not have the gift of healing. You might not be a doctor or a nurse. But your presence can be healing to people, right? Or your presence can be hurting to people. But it depends on how you're living, what your attitude is. Just your very presence showing up when people are hurting and offering love and support is healing. That's what people in grief need more than anything is just people to be there. 
not even really to say anything, but just your presence. And so how you are present with people and in the world can be healing. We want to be about healing the world instead of hurting the world. We are called to give our lives in love of Jesus. And it says that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Now, many of you may not know this about me, but I am an introvert. When I see the crowds, oftentimes my first reaction is not compassion. When I see crowds, too often I want to run and hide. How are we going to react to the crowds? How do we react to the mass of people in the world that are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd? How will we react to the crowds, to those out there? There are several ways that I react to the crowds. First, this way. Sometimes I think there, there's just too many. It's overwhelming and there's nothing I can do. It's too big of an issue or a problem. There's too much need, so I won't do anything. You shut down. Any of you reacted that way before? Or there's a second way sometimes we react. We see the, the crowds and we say, I wish they'd go away. Let someone else deal with them. Not my problem. I don't want to deal with them. Or third, uh, I might see the crowds and, and, and they say, you know, they're not really, they're not like me, so I'm not going to help them. Unfortunately, we hear that a lot. We even, sometimes we hear that at iHeart Canyon. You know, a lot of these people are not from Canyon, so why are we helping them? They're from somewhere else. They're not deserving because they're different. It, it happens to all of us. But how are we going to react to the crowds? Because Jesus reacted with compassion. If we are living out our calling to glorify God in worship, to grow in likeness of Jesus, and to give our lives in love of Jesus, here's the thing. We can't do that on our own. We can't do it on our own strength, our own power, because my initial reaction is run and hide. But with Jesus, if I'm walking in discipleship, my reaction begins to change because I've been transformed and I've been saved. And I say, they need that same salvation. They need that same peace. They need that same assurance that it's going to be okay. Thanks be to God that God gives us the gift of his spirit that can transform our hearts to love even the crowds. And we should be praying for that too, that, that God would transform our hearts, that when we look on the crowds that we don't see anything but Jesus. But to do that, we have to get close enough to the crowds to actually see them. We have to get close enough to them to teach them and proclaim the kingdom of God and offer the healing touch of the gospel of Christ. This is where Jesus turned to his disciples and he said these words, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Here, Jesus started with the, the metaphor of a shepherd and the crowds being harassed like sheep without a shepherd. And then he changes the metaphor to that of a harvest. Jesus is looking at the, the crowds and he sees this great harvest ready to be harvested. Can you, can you picture it? Some of you farmers, you know exactly what Jesus is talking about. You can picture it. It's ready. All you have to do is go out and begin the harvest. Get to work. There's a sense of urgency as well to Jesus' message. The harvest is ready. we got to go 
get the harvest. But are we ready to harvest? Have you prepared yourself for the harvest? Have we gotten our equipment ready? Are we going out to the fields prepared? Jesus is looking at you and me and he's saying, are you ready to harvest? We need more laborers for the kingdom. However, unfortunately, many followers of Christ, are, are, they're waiting at the edges of the harvest, waiting to receive instead of going out and working. I see it so often. What can the church do for me? What can God do for me? How, am, how are my needs being met? Well, let me tell you how your needs were met. You were saved by Christ and his blood and sacrifice. What else do you want? You didn't deserve that. But the crowds, the harvest, they need that same. They need that salvation. We are called to give our lives in love of Jesus. We still eat. I say, this is the metaphor I often say is, you know, as a church, as the body of Christ, we serve others. We are here for others. We are here for those on the outside. We invite them to the banquet, to the table. When we have guests, when we invite new people into our homes, into our churches, we invite them in and say, come and eat. Do we still eat? Absolutely. But who eats first? The guests, right? Y'all come in first. We're Methodists. I've always said we always have plenty of food. We'll always be able to eat. There'll always be stuff left over. And so that's what we're called to do, to give our lives in love of Jesus. But let me tell you something about harvesting. It's hard work. <laughs> it's dirty. It's messy. It can be hard work. In fact, Jesus has been telling us this whole time uh, from 423 to 935 that we are going to receive all kinds of opposition when we try to harvest. As I said, this whole section is bookending, this section of teaching. And throughout this section, Jesus is warning the disciples of the hardships they will face. We can expect opposition. I I want you to understand that just up front. You're going to get opposition. It's just part of the whole package deal. Uh, When we are doing kingdom work, when we are growing closer to Jesus, when we are giving our lives in love of Jesus, we can expect the enemy to attack us, right? To attack our family, to attack our churches, to attack our neighbors, to attack us in our vulnerabilities. We can expect it. That's why it is so important for us to draw close to God, to glorify God in worship. That's why it is so important for us to grow in likeness of Jesus so that we can prepare our hearts for opposition when we give our lives in love of Jesus. Because if we aren't careful, we can look at the crowds and not react with compassion but contempt. If we're not careful, we can look at the crowds and be indifferent and say, who cares? But there's an even more difficult opposition that we often face as well when we... uh, Give our lives in love of Jesus. This is the tough one. And uh, if you've been in the church for very long, you recognize the reality of this. That oftentimes opposition comes from within. Christians can often be the biggest obstacle to our growth in Christ. It's because we're all human. And sometimes we get selfish. And sometimes we say stupid things. And we find that to be the case here in our text when uh, Jesus' biggest opposition was from who? 
the religious leaders. Yeah, it happens, even to Jesus. They didn't like Jesus interacting with the crowds, the sinners, the outcasts. So I invite you today to watch how you react to the crowds when Jesus moves amongst them. So as we wrap up this series, I will remind you again of our calling. We are called to glorify God in worship, to grow in likeness of Jesus, and to give our lives in love of Jesus. If it's not out of love, we'll get tired. But when we love, we just give. So we're called to be like Jesus. Are you intentionally living out your calling? Or are you part of the opposition? What is your next step in your journey of faith? Jesus is calling each of us to the harvest. There are so many out there who need Christ. What are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So we ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And the thing about that question that Jesus is asking, hey, ask God to send out laborers. You're like, yeah, that's a great idea, God. Why don't you send out some laborers? And Jesus looks back at us. says, yeah, that's a great idea. Why don't you get going? That's our calling. I really want you to think about what is your next step. We have all kinds of opportunities over the next week to invite people, not only into our church, but into a relationship with Christ, to understand who God is. Next Sunday, we'll be doing a prayer service, really focusing on who we are as a church and asking God to guide us. And then we'll be starting a series on longing, the longing that is built within us to know God and to be known. And so I encourage you to invite new people, uh, your neighbors and friends, to our pool party, our tailgate party, uh, our back to school, uh, and our, uh, our new services starting on the 27th as well. Let's bow for a word of prayer.